one is where I want to begin tonight. And I just want to start right at the beginning because I believe that so many areas of our life, so many areas of, of relationship with God, our walk with God, our spiritual discipline, so many of these different things, we can go back to the very beginning of where uh, all of this started, pre, pre-fall pre of man, pre-everything, uh, to the very beginning of creation, and we can we can see some principles that were established there from the very beginning that carry over and are still present today. And so, this is where I, I want to talk about the atmosphere for revival. And creating an atmosphere for revival. Having that atmosphere. Living in it. Experiencing it. The, what the importance of that atmosphere for revival is. But, first of all, let's look back at the importance of atmosphere. We can see from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1, it tells us that in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And that the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So to get the picture, here it's the earth had been created by God, spoken into existence, but it was formless, it was unshaped, it was unstructured, it was empty, it was dark, it was not the kind of earth that you see today. When you uh, picture the earth today, it was very different from that. The earth that he created from the very beginning in Genesis 1-1 was not a planet that could sustain mankind. It was really not even a, a, any, uh, an earth that could sustain life itself. So it says that the Spirit moved upon the face of the waters. The Spirit began to move. It, it hovered. It, it brooded over the face of the waters. It was it was waiting for when God would speak so that God could do something. But the spirit, the spirit was beginning to stir something up. And if we continue in verse 3, it tells us that God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And that evening and the morning were the first day. And so God separates the light from the darkness. There's a division between light and darkness. He creates day, and he creates night. You see, before anything else is created, before anything else is formed, God brings light So that he can nourish and that uh, everything that would come afterwards would be able to be sustained. Everything that he would create afterwards, it has the light to sustain it. God divided that light from the darkness. Verse 6, we'll just continue here. God said, let there be a 
firmament in the midst of the waters. This is speaking of the land, a firm foundation of the land. Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the water. I'm sorry, this is speaking of the, the division of the, the, the land from the, the waters below and the waters that would be up in heaven. Be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and he divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven and the evening and the morning were the second day. This firmament, just to try to put this in plain English, what he's speaking of here is this, the, the creation of the atmosphere as we would know it today. That when God first created the earth, when he first spoke it into existence, it was without form, it was without void, or it was, it was void and, and it was chaos. It was not as we would picture it today, but as God uh, continues in his creative power, he he speaks, and now, now he, he creates from that formless earth a atmosphere around the earth. He creates what we would picture as the sky, the the uh, where the clouds are at, where uh, everything that is separating the space from uh, from here, where we live in, in this uh, under the atmosphere of the earth. And God separated this water, the the water that's here on earth, from the water that's up in the heavens. He created the expanse of the sky. He created the heavens. He created all of this. And note that he's separating things. That in order for God to bring order to things, he must have separation. That separation was necessary in, in order for God to continue to, uh, to create things that would be good. In order for there to be things that would, that would be sustainable. In order to bring things that would have life. God said there must be separation from the waters below from the, in the waters above. He had to create an atmosphere that would sustain life. We're talking about atmosphere tonight. And you see that this principle from the very beginning. That God creates an atmosphere that would sustain life. Before, notice he hasn't created anything that has life yet. So first, God had to create an atmosphere. Before any life form. Before any plant life or animal or the, the fowls of the air, the birds, uh, these especially mankind, before any of that was created, God first had to prepare an atmosphere for them to be able to survive, for them to be able to live. I see the, the same principle that carries over into the spiritual realm for us today, that revival has to have an atmosphere. It has to have a particular atmosphere that will sustain spiritual growth, sustained growth, that will sustain procreation. There has to be the right atmosphere in place. 
So there was, here God, we see him creating the atmosphere before he creates anything, before he forms anything that has life. There's an atmosphere that they had to be born into. Spiritually, you see that before you can have revival in your life, before you will see revival in your ministry or before our church will ever experience revival, there has to be an atmosphere that will sustain that revival that God wants to send to us. We see that from the beginning, that God made the atmosphere, and then he created the, the sea. The, sea. The, the first, the atmosphere of, of the, the heavens, but even before he created the fish, he created the atmosphere of the sea, the oceans. Before he created the beasts, he created the atmosphere that would sustain them, which is that atmosphere of the fields on the land. Before God created the atmosphere of, of the, the fruit-bearing trees and the grass, He created the soil that would sustain them. He, he creates the atmosphere first. He creates, uh, before God ever formed man out of the dust of the ground, He created all of these things so that we could be sustained. Back in Genesis 2-7, let's just read that scripture. It tells us that the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. This was God's ultimate creation. This was God's grand design. Mankind was God's grand design. Up until this form of creation, God had placed his approval on everything by saying it was good. But when he created or when he formed man out of the dust of the earth, it says that it was very good. Very good. This is God's crowning achievement. This was the only thing that was created in his image. Genesis 2.8, it continues. It says that the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. So I was talking about each of those other living things, the fish, and in order, before he created the fish, he created the sea, the atmosphere of the sea. Before he created the birds, he created the atmosphere that would sustain the birds. Before he created the beasts of the field, he created the field. And before he created man, he created the Garden of Eden. He had planted this garden eastward in Eden, and, and that was the atmosphere that was going to sustain mankind. He had created the perfect atmosphere for man to live in. And he had established some conditions for man as he was living there in that atmosphere. He said, man, I, I, I want you to go and to have purpose here in your atmosphere. I have some work for mankind. I have work for you, Adam. I want you to go and to dress it, to keep it. I want you, I want you to make sure that this atmosphere, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, something that is going to, uh, allow you to, to feel 
uh, or to, to, to live in your purpose for why you were created. I want you to uh, go and to name all of the animals and to uh, to live within this atmosphere that I've created for you. And in fact, that atmosphere we see then God takes of Adam and he creates Eve. And this was an, at- an atmosphere that I believe was one in which uh, God was um, going to allow them to live and to reproduce and to grow. This was the perfect atmosphere for mankind and God first creates the atmosphere and then he creates man to live in it you know this or we got to keep in mind that at the creation there was separation at the creation there was a dividing line it says he created and he separated light from darkness. The firmament from below, from the firmament above. The waters were being divided. It was upheaval. It was even violent, turbulent at times. But God was preparing the atmosphere for man to live in and to be able to reproduce in. You see, atmosphere is what created climate. The climate dictates what can what can and what cannot grow it's the atmosphere that's there and it creates the climate and then the climate create uh dictates what can or cannot grow it takes the proper light the proper temperature even the right atmospheric conditions for life and for growth and reproduction to come within the natural world and I, I see the same principles in the spiritual world. That there must be an atmosphere for life and for life to be, cre- for, for life to be created. And then there must be a climate that will support that life. If we look at the, the human body, we can, we can even see this within our own self, uh, within our own experience. These atmospheres that are there and established in order for growth to take place. First, in order to be born, there's an atmosphere, a certain atmosphere that, that must be right in order for birth to take place, in order for a healthy birth to take place. Even, even before that birth occurs, there's, there's care, there's, there's preparation. That's, I mean, it's done months. It's, it's done, uh, long before that birth ever takes place. There's an atmosphere that's being created in order for that birth to, to happen. And it's, it's a miracle. Birth is, is such a miracle that, uh, when, when life, when a new life form is created. Such an incredible miracle, but there's, and there's so much that goes into that before it ever comes into this world. There's so much preparation. If if you see, uh, a woman who is, is pregnant and, and there's certain things that she does, certain supplements maybe that she takes and there's certain uh, ways or things that she, uh, avoids, uh, and, you know, because she's pregnant, because she doesn't want to affect 
the birth of, of that child. That she doesn't. Uh, there's certain things that uh, when that baby is getting ready to be born, you want to make sure that it's a sterile environment. You want to make sure that uh, it's it's not chaotic. You want that birth, the atmosphere in that room to be one that is uh, is going to. Um, going to allow that birth to take place and, and, to, and to create a healthy new human being. See, changes, changes that the carrier of, of that miracle must, uh, there, there's things that must take place in order for this miracle of birth to take place. There's, there's certain activities that you're no longer going to, uh, you're no longer going to do. Let's, let's bring this into the spiritual. In order for birth to take place, there are certain things that you are no longer going to do in order for the healthy birth to take place. There's a certain atmosphere that you are going to create. There's certain things that you're going to do in order for birth to happen. There's things, there's activities that you're no longer going to partake in. There's a responsibility that you're going to take upon yourself because now it's not just you, but it's somebody else. There's preparation that, that you do because you are now responsible for somebody else. Let's we'll bring this into the spiritual. Let's, you are responsible. I believe that we all have the responsibility to Bring somebody else into an under, into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That it's our responsibility. It's the church's responsibility to go into the world and to find those who are hungry and searching and, and lo- they're, they're lost right now. They're lost. But they're hungry. They're, they're, there are those who they desire a relationship that they do not know what they desire. They don't even know what it is, but they're searching. And they're waiting for us. They're waiting for you. And so for us to take on that responsibility, just like that mother who is preparing herself for the birth, creating an atmosphere in which that birth can happen. We'll, we'll dive into this just a little bit more. But let's let's go on, continuing to look at these atmospheres for growth that... There's an atmosphere to sustain life. Someone has to teach that child, once that child's been born, someone has to teach that child how to eat, and how to drink. Someone has to teach that child even, even how to walk. You, you, you take them and, and you hold their fingers and you, you walk along with them and eventually they take their first steps and you're, you're clapping, you're so excited that they took their first steps, you're with them, you're cheering them on, they, they say their first word and, and you're so excited that they begin to talk and then uh, eventually you're like, would you stop talking and, and uh, you know, they, just, they won't stop talking and, uh, but what you're trying to teach them what boundaries are and uh, I just... Just heard uh, the other day, you know, why it is that children, you know, at, at age two, like the most common word that they say is no. And, and it's, it's because that's also one of the most common words that we say to them. And that's, that's okay. And it's good. It's, it's good. If you don't say no, then you're not establishing boundaries. 
in what's happening as a, a two-year-old is, is at that age. I have one right now, so I know. They're trying to find what their boundaries are. And it's, it's proper and it's right for them to be pushing their boundaries. They're, they're going and they're just, they're just pushing all the time, just trying to, you know, just do whatever feels right to them. But, but they have to learn that there's certain boundaries. And that's why we step in and we say no to certain things. We're establishing boundaries. And it's the same when we're, when we have somebody else who we are walking alongside them. Let's say you have somebody who you are discipling, who you are, you are showing them this, this is what it, it looks like to live for God. And you walk alongside somebody who is new to the faith, someone who is new to, in their walk with God. And you, you begin to teach them and show them, Hey, I see you that you fell, but let me show you what it looks like to get back up and to keep on walking. I see you as you begin to talk about about what God has done. Or you begin to talk and I see your language beginning to change. And and I want to cheer you on as I hear your language begin to change. Uh, and you're you're talking about the things of God. I, I've loved I've loved talking and, and seeing um uh, brother Ty Cruz who has uh, recently been, been coming and and he was telling me about all this co-workers and, and different uh, people who he has in his life, they're like, I don't know what's happened to you, but you've had some incredible change that's taken place over these last couple of months. And he's, he, he just keeps pointing that uh, I got to tell you the, the church I've been going to and the things that, uh, the things that have been happening in my life, there's, there is an incredible change. It's all because of Jesus. And you see that and you want to encourage that. We want to encourage the change. Now, uh, I'm thankful for that, and let's let's continue as as we uh, as we uh, help those who are beginning their walk, who are just trying to sustain life, or learning how to walk for God. We, let's create an atmosphere for them that's encouraging them, and that's that is uh, helping them that when they fall down to get back up and to keep on walking. Let's help them uh, to to learn what those boundaries are. Not that not that we are um, not that we are the, the boundary keepers in, in everything that we do, but but to uh, to step in and to, to to help them and to say, you know what, this is why I do what I do. You, we can point to scripture for the thing, the reason that that we do the things that we do, and it's it's to please God, it's to honor God. There are boundaries. Third, there's, there's an atmosphere to reproduce life. In order for the reproduction of life to take place, it seems that life itself is, is really it's not complete until we're able to make our own personal investment into that upcoming generation. Now this is spiritually, I'm speaking, that this is our responsibility to to reproduce a next generation. But there's a certain atmosphere that takes place in order for the reproduction of life to happen. And I want, I want that kind of an atmosphere that to, it's an intimate atmosphere with, with God. It's an intimate atmosphere with, uh, with, with the one that we serve that, that we begin to say, we begin to get into prayer, right? 
And you begin to get on your knees and pray. And as you pray, he, he breathes in you. He, he gives you a desire to go and to, to invest in somebody else. To find somebody else who needs to hear truth. He, as you begin that alone time with God. As you begin to have that that time, that one-on-one time, I believe that it will produce in you a desire to reproduce life. That God is when I spend time with Him. There's uh, there's a desire to be with Him more, but there's also a desire to go and to reach those who God wants to reach, to be His hands, to be His feet. That desire, it comes as I spend time, one-on-one time with Him in prayer. It's that atmosphere that's creating growth. It's reproducing life. Lastly, there's this atmosphere that uh, it comes to, to have dominion. This is to walk in authority. This is to, in, in the spiritual, we bring this to the spiritual realm and, and to have the very power of, of this atmosphere where uh, where we are walking in spiritual authority and it's it's no longer just just about me it's no longer just about the things that are happening in the the natural realm but begin to walk and, and subdue and and the 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 enemy's uh, traps and the enemy's uh, things that he has laid out for us. And, and I believe that there is a, a realm in which you, you can go to. There's an atmosphere that you can create that you begin to step into a place of spiritual authority and spiritual dominion. And, but it's an, it's an atmosphere that, that must be created in order for you to step into that and, be, and begin to take authority. That breaking Breaking that that uh, self will or that thing that's all about just pointing to me, beginning to break that where it's where it's no longer just about me, but it's about God. What do you desire, God? What is your kingdom come and your will to be done? Not my will, but God, I want to just do what your will is. Beginning to bind and to loose the spirits that are that are there and that are present. When you begin to bind into loose spirits, we're walking in, in dominion. You're walking in spiritual authority. And there's, there's an atmosphere that's created. And that atmosphere happens when, you, when the people of God pray, when the people of God are intentional about, um, about diving in and, and, and investing in what God desires. The atmosphere is crucial. There is... An atmosphere that God wants to create, God wants to establish here in this church for revival. I, I feel it. I felt it uh, building up. I felt this atmosphere present uh, in this in this church body. But uh, when I, I just want to go in here to Luke chapter nine, we're going to see Jesus step into a certain atmosphere and then see the changes that take place. It's in Luke chapter 9, verse 37. It says here that it came to pass that on the next day, when they were come down from the hill, that much people met him. And behold, a man of the company cried out, and he was saying, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is my only child. 
And lo, a spirit taketh him, and he suddenly crieth out, and it tears him, that he foameth again, and he's and bruising him, hardly departeth from him. And I besought thy disciples to cast him out, and they could not. And Jesus answering said, O faithless and perverse generation. Are you faithless and perverse generation? How long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring thy son hither. Verse 42. And as he was yet coming, the devil threw him down and did tear him. And Jesus rebuked that unclean spirit. And he healed the child and he delivered him again to his father. So we see Jesus coming down from a mountain. He had been up on the mountain uh, with a couple of his disciples. He, he finds down at the bottom of the mountain a man who had his, his child. And this he had brought his child to be healed. And he came to the disciples that were down at the bottom of the mountain. And asked them to pray for the son. They begin to pray and nothing happens. They begin to pray. They, they can't cast out the, this devil. They can't. Nothing is working. And Jesus gets there and he, he looks at his disciples and says, What's wrong with you guys? You faithless of first generation. Go ahead. Bring the son over to me. Now I want to see just one chapter later. In Luke chapter 10, let's see what is happening here with those same disciples that could not cast that devil out of that child. In verse 17 of Luke chapter 10, it says that the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Verse 19. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you. But rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in, in spirit, and he said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent. You have revealed them unto the babes, even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. So in Luke chapter 9, we read of one of the most frustrating moments in Jesus' ministry when he basically cries out and he says, why am I putting up with you guys? You're faithless, you're perverse, your thinking is twisted, you're filled with all this doubt, you can't cast out this devil, here you are, you, you, you guys have been with me all this time, and, and, and you still aren't able to, to walk in the Spirit and to believe that the power that is available to you is actually present within you. And yet one chapter later, we see this very same group of people that are sent out in the 70. They're sent out in pairs. And now they come back with these reports where they said, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. 
The same people. Something changed in the atmosphere. When Jesus stepped in and he began to rebuke that devil out of that sun. And he he cast that devil out. And he then began to, I believe, minister to this group of people. To tell them, you are more than what you think you are. You had the same power to do what I just did. Just speak it in my name. It's not by your power, not by your might, but it's in my name. Notice they said, when we spoke in your name, the devils are subject to us. They began, there was a a change in the atmosphere that took place within this group of people to believe that they had the power that Jesus had told them they had. And when they could not do it in in Luke chapter 9, they came in Luke chapter 10 back with the report that said, every devil is subject unto us through your name. And now Jesus His response is, I saw Satan falling as lightning from heaven. (laughs) The atmosphere went from frustration to faith. The atmosphere went from inability to great power. The atmosphere here goes from weariness to great joy. Here they are weary saying, why can't we do it? And now they're coming back and they're, they have all this joy saying, look what is happening through our hands. Look what's happening in our ministry. They're coming back with all of this. And it's all because a change in the spiritual atmosphere took place. They began to believe that what God said in, about them was true. That God, that Jesus had released in them uh, this this, this power to, to go. And, and we see that happen through a couple of things. It was in Luke chapter 10, verse 1. If we look at the in-between of those two things. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. says that after these things, the Lord appointed 70 also. And he sent them out two and two before his face into every city and place, whither he himself would come. So two by two, Jesus is sending out these disciples. And he's sending them out saying, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Get ready. He's on his way. We have teamwork. We have them going out two by two. There's some Incredible things that begin to happen in the atmosphere when people come together in one spirit and one mind, one accord. When people, when there's two or three that agree in his name, the atmosphere begins to change. When you find somebody else who you can partner with that will go alongside you believing that the impossible is now possible, the atmosphere changes. You can feel the climate begin to shift. When you, when you have a few people that begin to say that, that revival is not coming, but the revival is here, and they begin to believe it together, and they begin to speak it out, they begin to declare it, the atmosphere begins to change. Well, you're no longer just alone. You have somebody else beside you that's saying it. Jesus is sending them out in pairs. He's, te- he's sending them out with a purpose. There's an, a shift that happens in the atmosphere. The atmosphere changes when people begin to pray and when people begin to work. It's in verse 2. It says, therefore said he unto them, that the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray 
Notice, pray. Ye the Lord, ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. The people begin to pray. And the people begin to come together in unity and begin to pray. God, we need more laborers. God, we need more people who will go out and teach Bible studies. God, we need more people who will work these altars. God, we need more people who are prayer warriors. God, we need more intercessors. When you have people who begin to pray, when you have people who are coming together who are praying, the atmosphere begins to change. Just a couple of weeks ago, Brother Stokely came to me and, and asked, could we, could we have uh, men, a, a men's time of prayer? In fact, he said, at first he was presenting it as a men's thing, and he said, you know what, it doesn't have to be just men, anybody can come. But a, uh, a time of prayer, every first Saturday of, of the month, when we come here and gather and just begin to pray, and begin to, to seek God intentionally. I, I know that's, that's just once, once a month, but it's, it's, it's a time of prayer. And, and we, we do so much more than that. Just, uh, a couple of months ago, a couple of months ago, I, uh, got all of our, uh, leadership team or anybody who serves on Sundays, anybody who serves on Sundays and, and I began to, uh, uh, think about, you know, what is, what is our Sunday morning look like? And Sunday morning, typically, typically it, it looked like us, everybody getting here at nine o'clock or all of our praise team getting here at nine o'clock and, and they would, they would practice through their songs, make sure they had everything down right. And, and at nine 30, it was uh, always intended that at that time we would begin to pray. But everybody had Everybody who had just gotten done practicing, they, they also had a lot of other responsibilities, things that they would do. So a couple of months ago, I said, we're going to change things up. We, we, can't, we can't negate prayer anymore. We can't bypass pre-service prayer. It's too important for us to just... Uh, to just say, we have all these other responsibilities and we gotta, we gotta do this and get this ready for service and that ready and you know what, we'll get to prayer when service starts. So we change things up, eight o'clock or eight fifteen, our, our worship team gets here every Sunday morning. They, they practice through their songs at that point and then everybody who is serving on Sundays, every Sunday school teacher, every greeter, every usher, uh, every uh, worship team member, everybody, everybody in our media, everybody uh, who is serving is here at nine o'clock so that we can begin to pray. So that we can have an intentional time of prayer for what God is going to do on that day. There's power in prayer. There's power in prayer. When you begin to pray, when God's people, they, they say prayer is not just something that is, uh, that is optional. Prayer is necessary to create an atmosphere in which God can work. I believe that what happened this past Sunday, it cannot happen without pre-service intentional prayer leading into that service. And it's not just what happens just on Sunday morning. There was prayer. I promise you there's prayer that happened long before that. But when people begin to pray... It's creating an atmosphere that Satan can't do anything about it. He has no power against what God can be, is beginning to stir up when his people pray. It creates an atmosphere for revival. 
when people join together and they lock arms with one another and they say, let's go together into a a time of prayer. Let's go together and let's do the work of God. And they're in unity. They're in sync. This is what Jesus was doing when he sent them out in pairs. You had the people who were in unity. They were unified as a team. See, we have some keys. There are keys that were given to us. It's in Matthew chapter 16. These were given here to to Peter, but I believe they also have unlocked something within the New Testament church. It's in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Jesus speaking to Peter says, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the prayer that we were taught to pray by Jesus. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Satan, I want to bind everything that you are doing, every attack, everything that you would come uh, against the church with. I bind it right now and I loose the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. I loose joy. I loose peace. Well, when you begin to pray prayers of dominion, prayers of authority like this, it's creating an atmosphere for revival. I believe that I'm coming to a close here as we we come to the expectation of miracles, which I believe are part and parcel with revival. That God is wanting us to wake up and realize that he is wanting to change the atmosphere in the church, which will make the miracles of God a, a common occurrence, a common Occurrence. I believe that there are miracles. I know that there are miracles because I heard the testimony of them from this past Sunday. And they may have been things that were not external, uh, physical things, but there were things that took place on the inward part of, of individuals that were miraculous, uh, that was only happening by the miraculous hand of God. It's time for us to believe and to expect that miracles will take place. But how do we create an atmosphere for miracles? The first thing we must do is believe. So Mark chapter 16, verse 17 through 19, it says that these signs shall follow them that believe. Right? Is this the word of God? These signs shall follow them that believe. This is Mark 16, verse 17. That in my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. This is the word of God. Let's go to verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and he sat there on the right hand of God. See, how is this atmosphere created for miracles to be present? 
You have to believe and you must have faith. Matthew chapter 21 verse 21 says that Jesus answered and he said unto them, Verily I say unto you that if you have faith and you doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. In all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. That if you have faith, if you have faith and doubt not, then you could speak to the mountain and the mountain be removed. This is active faith. Speaking of working faith. In John chapter 1, we see that it says, Jesus answered, he said unto them, because I say unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou, thou shalt see greater things than these. Greater things than these. This is the first things he said to, to this disciple, that's, that there's going to be greater things that you're going to experience. But he also proclaimed that greater things than these shall ye do. Greater things that, than what he did in his ministry here on earth. Jesus said, shall you, the church, accomplish. If we believe it. We're talking about creating an atmosphere. Creating an atmosphere for revival. In order to create an atmosphere for revival, we have to start by coming together in unity. Binding together. Jesus sent them out two by two. And he, he sent them out. And as they did that, something changed in them. Something changed in these people that went from a, a Luke 9 that couldn't cast out a devil to a Luke 10 that went out and they came back with a report that every devil, when they spoke in the name of Jesus, it would flee. When they came together in unity, they, they, there was an atmosphere that was created where they began to believe that the word of God was true. When they came together and they began to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send the labors. When they began to pray and, and they created an atmosphere for revival. And we saw the results of what took, uh, we saw the results of that atmosphere. You see, going back to the beginning, and I'll wrap up with this. You go back to the beginning that the first thing that takes place is the atmosphere. Genesis 1. The atmosphere is created and then everything else can come. The atmosphere is there. The, the, the sea is there so that the fish can live in it. The, the, the land is there so that the beast of the field can live in it. The, the garden is created. It's there so that man can live and thrive in it. The atmosphere is there so that life can be there and be sustained. The same is true. I believe that God wants to, he, he wants to send people our way. God wants to come, but he first has to stir something up in our hearts. That thing, that the things that he cares about is what we care about. That the things that he, as he begins to speak it in his word, that when we read it, we say, I want that to be my desire. This is creating an atmosphere for revival. An atmosphere for revival is to come together and to say, Lord, send the harvest. Send the harvest. God, it's here. God, send laborers into it. God, I don't want to be alone, but let's go. Let's go. The time is now. The laborers may be few, but I'm ready. Come on, it's an atmosphere that says, I'm going. I'm going. I want to be part of it. When you have that expectation to say, I'm part of it. God, send me out. I believe that God will use you mightily to do great things. 
Amen? Let's pray. I want to just pray and seal this, this word tonight just with a prayer. Lord, I thank you, God, that what your word uh, speaks to us from the beginning to the end. God, that it, it, it doesn't fail. God, it is, uh, it is perfect in everything that it speaks. Lord, and I pray that tonight, Lord, that, that some of us here tonight, Lord, as we sit and we desire to see the, the, the work of God, we desire to see revival. God, we desire to even be part of that revival. Lord, that first of all, we would have a hunger for the lost. God, that first of all, we would have a desire to, uh, to be part uh, of the laborers who were going into the field. God, that we would have an atmosphere in us, Lord, that would desire the things that you desire so that revival could take place in us. God, and in us, Lord, that this church may be filled. God, that more churches would be established because of the overflow of what you are doing. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would see the abundance that would take place because of such an atmosphere of faith and belief. God, the miracles, Lord, would, would happen, Lord, in order to give you glory. How that we could see it, Lord, let us believe it. Let us walk in it. Let us experience it. In Jesus' name.